Bukhitov, today's stuff is Lamed Gimel. We're still catching up a little bit. We're on Lamed Vet, Lamed Bet. Amarav Ashi, it is about three, ten lines from the top, end of the line. Okay, so this is the whole question about, um, about can a Rav be Mochel on his Kavod? Um, can a father be Mochel on his Kavod? The answer is yes. Can a Rav be Mochel on his Kavod? That was uh, somewhat debated because the Rebbe is representing the Kavod of the Torah. And maybe even if he doesn't mind personally, uh, people have to show him respect because, the, because otherwise it would, be, it would be disrespecting the Torah that he represents. And nevertheless, the Gemara conclude, which is actually a very powerful statement about the nature of Torah Balpen, the personal relationship and investment, that it becomes your Torah. So you actually have an identification with it and an ownership with it, which in an interesting and fascinating way um, doesn't just mean you can stake your claim and your connection, but it also puts you in a position to be say, I'm okay if you don't sort of show me you know, Kavod, even though I'm also representing Torah, which demands Kavod. Um, so, but because I now have an ownership stake in it. And the conclusion of the Gemara was that even after Rav is mochel on his kavod, okay, people should still do some type of a sign of respect. So that was the last line we left off with yesterday. A few heeder miyavidli boy. They should have shown him some form of hadarta, right? We'd be talking kavod, but we're going to get to the basic of hadarta b'nei zakein, which is honor to, el- to an older person, which is interpreted as honor to a sage, is how it's going to be interpreted. So they still have to do some sign of respect. Rambam leaves it generic as they have to show him Hidur. He says, you could be Mochel on your Kavod and technically they're exempt but they're still obligated. They're like exempt and obligated. They still have a need to demonstrate some form of respect. And Rashi actually says, we know him at so if anybody's ever been to the yeshiva and knows the whole thing about like you know the tush move which is like you know you sort of raise your tush a little halfway off the seat or whatever that actually according to Rashi is what the Gemara is here, here saying that even if the Rebbe doesn't you know sort of doesn't want everybody to stand fully for them that might be it's actually striking this balance it's enough his Torah that he could be mochel on the full sign of respect but at the end of the day whatever he's mochel or not he still represents Torah and you can't allow somebody who represents Torah to not have any respect, any sign of respect shown towards that person. And this embodies that balance. It's the man's respect, but it's clear that he's mochel, so it does not have to be the full amount. Um, and that's the uh, sort of uh, conclusion um, of the Gemara. So now the uh, Gemara continues. Amar Ravashi says Ravashi, a few lamadam Ravashi machlal kvodo kvodo machul. Even if the one who says that his kavod is, um, you know, forgiven is waived the honor, he can waive the honor. Um, but nasi shemachlal kvodo ain kvodo machul. A person who is a nasi, which is like the pr- prince, but it meant the very specific role of the exilarch in Eretz Yisrael, which was an interesting combination, by the way, of both political leadership and rabbinic leadership which was the role that Rabbi Huranasi played and his descendants in Bavel they were separated right there was there, there was not a somebody who was both a political and a religious head but in the Israel there was that person cannot be Mochel on his Kavod so it could be the combination of the two political and religious leadership but it seems that the Gemara is making more of a shift in contrast to the specific issue of political leadership that um, and we'll see about that in a minute that there's a need of you know this also does fit into the whole Kibra Ve'em issue in general which the Ra- 
which the issue of Kibbut Rav does, um, and the idea of Melech, all of these are institutions of authority. Um, so, you know, you have to, there's God, you know, the Gemara compared it to honor of God, honor of parents, honor of Torah, or honor of a Rebbe, that the idea of what society has these institutions of authority, which are central to the way it's sort of, you know, it's structured, um, and that's important to be, uh, to be acknowledged and respected. So it seems that the issue here about the Nasi is that even if there's some degree that individuals can waive that honor due to them, right, nevertheless, like the institution of the fundamental institution of authority, right, that you're subject to the rules of the land and, you know, to the, to the leader of the land and so on, you know, that fundamentally is uh, too deeply of a demand in terms of the society, you know, what that represents in terms of the society that, no, that a person cannot choose to be like a mochel on that. Um, okay, so now the Gemara says, continuing with that theme, let's take a look. Mace, I'll ask you on this. That all these rabbis were reclining and eating in this, uh, in the uh, wedding feast, um, or whatever, in a, uh, in, in some type of, the son of Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Gamliel was the Nasi, and Rabbi Gamliel was there pouring the drinks. So we've seen from the previous stories that apparently that's something that the host would do. But even if it's something that the host would do, nevertheless, it's a degree of mechilam der kavod, you know, if you're holding by your honor, then you're not the one pouring drinks for somebody else. He gave the coast to Rabbi Eliezer, and Rabbi Eliezer refused to accept it. And as we're going to see, he refused to accept it because he said, it's not appropriate for me to accept the service of the Nasi. Like, you know, and I, uh, so even, it's, it's not even just inferring from this action that we can therefore not show him respect elsewhere. Even in the very action in which he is being mochil in his kavod, I cannot participate in that. I cannot be, I cannot allow, you know, the Nasi to play this type of subservient role you know, towards me. He's the one that has to be held in the higher esteem. Um, so, not uh, the Rabbi Yoshua, so then Rabbi Gamliel gave the cup to Rabbi Yoshua, the Kibbalo, and he accepted it. Amalo Rabbi Eliezer, so Rabbi Eliezer said, Maze Yoshua, what are you, what is this you're doing, Yoshua? Ani Yoshua, Rabbi Gamliel, Omenu Mashkalenu, we should sit and have Rabbi Gamliel, the Nafi, coming and serving and attending to us? That's not appropriate, even if he's willing to do it, we shouldn't be willing to do it. Amalo, so Rabbi Yoshua said back to him, Matsino Godoi no, we've seen one even greater than Shishimesh. Avram, if you want to read the parentheses, Avram Godomi Menuvashimesh. Avram was greater than him, and he attended to his guests. Avram Godoladoraya, he was the great of the generation. The Kosovo, who made Alehem, he was standing over them, over the angels, and serving them. The Shemetamru to Malach Esharsin, maybe because he knew they were angels. No, no need Mulawalaravim, he appeared to them like Arabs. Um, the Anu, so even so, he welcomed his guests, he attended to his guests. The Anu, we won't have a you know, so there and attending to us and, and pouring us drinks. Now, of course, the difference could be made. Avram was a Godol Ador. It didn't mean he was a Nasi, right? It does get to the question of what is the type of, right? It's not just how great a person is, but if it's specifically about the role of holding political authority, right, then that was not a reality with Avraham. But anyway, that was the response he had. He was certainly the political authority of the house of Avraham. Uh, that's true. <laughs> but, you know, but then you could say that it could also be true about you know, uh, uh, an Avsha Machalok Vodo, right? You know, within his house. That was the whole Amishral, that's the word. 
know, that was the whole body of Israel. Was the house. Oh, I see. Oh, oh, you don't you don't mean physically that well. You mean like the house? You meant the household? Like he represented the head of that's the, the head of the clan of Israel. Oh, okay, I see that. That's an interesting point. Of course, the people that he was attending to were not part of his clan. You know, it's a little so. It's not an exact comparison. Anyway, I don't remember Tzadok. Rabbi Tzadok said he was sitting there among them. Obviously, there's a little irony here because we're talking about being mochel on the kavod, and is that acceptable or not? And he's saying actually, by using the example of Avraham, you are actually um, giving, an, ironically, more respect. You're, you're being mochel on God's kavod. You're giving more respect to Avraham and using him as the example when you should be using God as the example. Okay, why should you be using God as the example? Think about what God does. He causes the wind to blow and the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the clouds to, to rise from the ground. Umoi Matan brings the rain down. Umatzmiach um, Adaman causes the ground to sprout forth. Ve'orech Shuchan, Echad Vechad. And God uh, lays out the table like He prepares the food for every creature. Like, think about God. You know, He's the farmer and He's the, uh, you know, he, he's, he waters the crops and He, whatever, He does all this work to make everybody have their food. So if God provides for every human being, we can't let him, you know, just serve us and attend to us. So anyway, so there they use that as an example. God certainly is the example of like political authority, authority, right? And nevertheless, you know, that's not a compromise to God's authority. Now, the interesting thing about this is, is that then an evidence that you can be mochel on your kavod? Or is that saying this is not an act of mechilat kavod? Right? That actually, A, because Rabbi Gamliel is sort of, you know, being, uh, um, uh, being like God, you know, he's acting in a way that God likes to take care of people's needs, right? Or maybe it's, you know, saying that, uh, that, that when somebody takes care of the needs of people below him, that should not be interpreted as a mechil of the kavod. There's other things maybe that are mochel of kavod, but this isn't one of them, you know? This you can allow yourself to be served, right? So again, it's not an exact comparison. A, is the Avram exactly re- comparable to the idea of Nasi, although Doe makes a very good point in terms of the head of the, of the Abrahamic clan, but also, right, the question could be, what types of things do you interpret as a compromise of kavod? Okay, it seems that the whole point is this does not compromise somebody's kavod, which is a different question than if somebody says it's okay to be to to do something that compromises on my kavod. Can you can you go ahead and do it, right? Anyway, but the Gemara takes this as evidence. Thank you that a rav can be that a nasi can be mochalakvodo, and the Gemara confuses concludes elei marhachi mar. If it was said here's how it was said. Even a nasi can be mochalakvodo. A king cannot. Okay. You shall place upon you a king. The sense of upon you means that it's like has to be always over you, and therefore the king's fear has to constantly be over you. And again, you could sort of speak about you know the benefit of the society of having the sense of the sense of the of the, of, of law and order, and it's not something that can be violated, and you cannot treat the authorities you know lightly, and so on. So um, you know, there's like. Obviously, like you know, even in, aren't there like special, uh, uh, you know, uh, prison terms and sentences for people that uh, you know, like assault a cop, right, as opposed to assaulting, you know, a nor- some somebody else, right? So what? MTC. 
MTA worker. MTA worker, right. Really? Okay, so you know, you need certain people, like this, you know, to, that cannot be compromised, right? It's like when, when they say in Pirkei Avot, you know, you should always be mitpalel shalom shamachus, because if it was not for the fear of the government, like everybody would, you know, would be anarchy, you know, everybody would consume their neighbor, right? So it's deeply necessary for society that that not be compromised. And again, maybe the idea that Nasi was different was that maybe that was a little bit more, you know, persuasion than authority. Anyway, it's interesting why exactly, you know, what, or is it because it's connected to Torah? But, you know, Nasi is different. Melech is, is, that, is, is something that cannot be compromised. Okay. So now the Gemara continues. Tana Rabbanan. Now that we've discussed Kavod of the Rav, but we haven't really mentioned the biblical basis for that. Um, so we're now going to turn to the psukim that serve as the as the basis for this. So let's take a look. Um, so rise up before the hoary head, before the white-haired person, and you shall show honor to the elderly. I am God. So that's going to turn into, it sounds like respect of people of old age, which will be a debate, but it's going to turn into, most immediately, respect of a Torah sage. Okay? So, Yachalafi Maybe it means even a elder who Rashi says is a, a, a wicked elder, but Tosu says more neutrally, just a elder who's an, 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 an ignorant elder, like a, a non-scholar, a non-sage, you know, some, some illiterate elder. Talmud Lomar is Zakain. So it says, the end, it starts with Seva, which emphasizes the age, you know, white-haired. But then it says with Zakain. Zakain means something else. The Ein Zakain El Chacham. Zakain means a sage. And the end of the Pasuk is Shehem, what is it? Shehem, what the end of the Pasuk? Shehem, what? what is it? Ashir Adati Kihem, something, now I'm blanking on the end of the Pasuk. Kihem Zikneham. Okay, so, really? But then, no, that was so true. That wouldn't, really? Zikneham, how would that show you that they're Chachamim? Hold on. So Rav is Chachamim. Um, oh, I showed you data because if it was just about being old, then it wouldn't be that you know. Uh huh. That could be. Um, yeah. Alright, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's Yasher Yadata. So somehow that signifies that they are not just old, but hold positions of authority and maybe of wisdom and knowledge. Okay? So therefore, Zakain means also a sage. Um, and therefore, even Seiva means a sage. So it's not about the elderly, it's about the sage. Zakain means somebody who acquired wisdom. And Rashi says it's actually plain words. This one acquired, acquired wisdom. So it means the sage. The emphasis on Kinyan. God, and this is Torah talking or wisdom talking. God has 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 possessed me or, or created me, the first of God's paths. Okay, so anyway, so it seems like he's agreeing, he's just quoting another Pasuk. The Gemara will actually say that there's an important difference between those two opinions. So the Gemara, so the Brayta continues, Maybe you should stand up when he's far away. It says you should rise before the old, uh, the, the white-haired and show honor to the elderly. Now what we're going to do is, but you could have said, oh, there are two different categories. There's people maybe that are old, that you rise before, and there's people that are zakain that are 
Torah sages that you do something else called Hidur. You could have said that. But what we're going to do is we're going to conflate everything. We're going to say, no, Zakain really illustrates what Seva is. And we're only talking about Torah sages. And Hadartha illustrates what Takul means. And we're really all talking about one type of person and one type of action. Okay? So we're conflating everything. So maybe standing up is from a distance. Talmud Lomar, Takum Hadartha. We read those two words together. Um, I'm sorry, Lomar Kima is in a way that shows honoring. If you stand up when the person is 100 feet away, that's not the same honoring as when the person moves directly into your, like we're going to see later, for Amot, directly into your zone and you stand up for them. That's a much greater show of honor and respect. Okay, so Kima is modified by Vahadarta. Now let's look at it the other way. Does Hadarta ex- it, it exist independent of Kima? Is there a way you show honor and respect, you know, um, without standing up? Maybe it means that you honor the person by lavishing them with gifts. Okay, maybe that's the Vahadarta. Takum Vahadarta. Ma Kima It's the same way rising up is a way, uh, is nothing that costs you any money. It's a way of showing respect. It's not maybe limited to rising, how you talk to them, you know, other forms of, uh, uh, of, of demonstrating your, uh, your respect for them, but not something about lavishing them with gifts, not something that costs you any money. Okay, so there we, now we have, Takum is modified by Vahadarta, it's a rising that shows respect. Hadarta is modified by Takum, there are other ways you show respect, but they don't have to be ways of, 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 of spending money. Now, maybe if you're in the uh, bathhouse, you have to stand up when a Torah sage enters. Okay? Again, Hadart is modifying Takum. In a place where it's sort of a certain... You know, Hidur is a society... I mean, look, there could be issues where nobody is around and you don't talk to somebody in a disrespectful way which doesn't have to do with how it's sort of positioned within society. It's just inter- totally interpersonal. But nevertheless, Hidur, to a large degree, is also a sort of a societal reality, right? About, you know, with so in a certain type of a societal context in which an act would be sort of like, you know, like, uh, like I'll tell you another halacha. The halacha is like, Ein mechabdin bebeit hakisei. Right? So you walk, you, you know, you go to the bathroom and you come at the same time with your Rebbe. You say, no, no, you go first. So, you know, what you could say. I don't know. It doesn't seem totally absurd to me. But at a certain point, it's like at that sort of, in that context, everybody is somewhat, you know, reduced to their non, to their basic, most sort of fundamental, uh, you know, human nature. You know, you sort of, you know, you know, very, very, um, you, and therefore it's not about societal standing and position that exists, you know, in that type of, you know, within, within that context. So therefore, that's not an appropriate place to be showing respect. Um, I guess there's, you know, greater equality there. Um, so the Gemara says, Maybe you should close your eyes, pretend you don't see him. Okay, and as long as I didn't see him, I don't have to rise before him. You should, the end of the passage, You should fear God. So why do, why do you have to fear God? Everybody can see whether you're showing respect or not. So it's to show you something that is only something that God could know. So if you're closing your eyes and pretending you don't see him, but God knows that you do see him, obviously you've done something wrong. Okay. So only something that is given over to the heart is there something that you have to fear God about. 
How do you know that the Zakain has a responsibility not to cause, uh, like, not to, um, you know, make other people have to bear the burden of showing him respect? That he should try to minimize, you know, to not, to, to the, 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 the responsibility on other people. The elder person has to fear God. And we're going to see that means is like, you don't necessarily, you know, you maybe if you can walk in a way that you don't have to walk into a crowded room and everybody's going to have to stand before you, so better to avoid that. Right, which is an interesting compromise from the earlier discussion about being mochal on your kavod. This isn't being mochal on your kavod, it's just, you know, understanding that why, uh, not putting people in a position that they have to, you know, be forced to do this for me. Okay. He says, no, seva means any person of white haired, any older person. It is a respect of old age. It's not limited to respect of sages. Okay, so that's the end of the bright. Now the Gemara goes back. So in terms of who's included, we have the first position that says elder, uh, you know, wise men, sages, because it says, that was the um, then we have Reb Yossi Aglili who says which sounds to be the same idea and then you have what's his name you have uh, Isi Ben Yehuda who says it even includes just a, just an older person period so now the Gemara says like this um, okay Reb Yossi Aglili Hainu Tanakama isn't Reb Yossi Aglili who quotes the who says the same as the Tanakama who says Ziknei Yisrael the Gemara says no the difference is when the Tanakama says that you have to be a sage he's saying that in addition to being an old, uh, uh, you know an old, you know an elderly person you know uh, uh, and, and so therefore it's like it's not enough that you're a seva you also you also have to be a sage it's an older person who is a sage but if you have a young person who's a sage for the Tanakama that's not obligated in respect Tanakama sever Yanik V'chakim a young person who's a sage low is not obligated it's only seva plus zakain. And if Yosef really suffered, no, a few Yanik Vichachim, no, even just having you know, great wisdom and knowledge, that suffices. Um, my time is Rabbi Yosef Lili. Why does he say that? That Zakain is enough without the Seva. Amalacha, he'll tell you, if you think like, it's like the Tanakhama says, just combine them all. Say, from a, an elderly, you know, sage, you should rise up and show honor. My time, my son, the Pagina Rahmana, why did the Torah separate Seva from Zakain? The name to tell you the high love high, the high love high, that they're separate categories. Now, of course, if they're separate categories, you would think logically that he would also say that somebody who's just old and not a sage, either one suffices which is a very reasonable read of the Pasuk. But both Rajni and Tosu say, and then he also is the position of this, uh, who, this Isi ben Yehuda. Rajni and Tosu, for various reasons, recognize that that's a reasonable read of the Gemara, but they resist that read. They somehow say, according to him, well, once we've separated them, we understand that Zakain is, is, is enough by itself, just to be a sage. And once Zakain is enough to be itself, just to be a sage, that's what Seva means. So at the end of the day, they are just one category. But they're one category that gets sort of reduced to Zakain. You know, Seva doesn't mean anything for him. Okay, so that's the way Rashi says it, although reasonably you could read it that there are two categories, elderly and sage, and each one is completely independent of the other. But the Chachamim say you have to have both. 
Okay, so the Gemara says, um, even young and a sage, that's for Rabbi Yosef Aglili. The Tanakhama, and the Tanakhama would say, Mishum Zakein No, 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 it had to separate them, because it wanted to say, Zakein Viareta, right, which is the drush that the elderly person, the uh, sage should not, you know, make people have to, sh- you know, you know, be, uh, you know, they make people go out of their way to show them honor, so that's why it had to split them up. But fundamentally, you have both criteria. Elderly and um, and a sage. That is for the Tanakhama, whereas Rabbi Yosef Aglili says the sage aspect is enough by itself. Okay. Um, so, by the way, Tosvos does want to say that according to Rabbi Yosef Aglili, he is bothered, which is, if it's not that they're really two completely separate categories, elderly on one hand and sage on the other, if fundamentally it's just about being a sage, why did the Torah say seva altogether, according to Rabbi Yosef Aglili, right? According to the Pranakam, you need both. You need somebody to be old and to be a sage. According to Rabbi Yosef Aglili, if it's all about being a sage, why does the Torah mention seva? And Tosvos basically says, well, here's the difference. You get some points for being older. So older is not enough to demand that the person gets shown respect. They have to be a Torah sage. But let's say somebody's, I don't know, an average Torah sage. Not a big Talmud Chacham. So if you've got an average Torah sage and they're older, then they're in the Seva category. If you have somebody that's a big Talmud Chacham and young, then they're in the Zakein category. Okay? But if you've got somebody that's an average Talmud Chacham and young, they don't get, they don't, you don't have to show them respect. Or if somebody's not a Talmud Chacham at all and they're old, they don't get respect. Okay? So it's like a point system. But the minimum requirement is you have to be a Torah sage. Okay, you have to be a Torah sage. Plus, you need some extra points. So either the extra points are because you're a big Torah sage, or the extra points are because you're older. Okay, but there's a minimum level of Torah knowledge to get you started. That's the way Tosos explains why for Rabbi Yosef there's a seva category and a zaken category. Okay, and according to the Kanakama, you need the two of them combined. Okay, now the Gemara says like this. Right. Well, we're going to get to that, but right. But what were you going to say? Right. So that's going to be the question later, right? Is it that because you, somebody's older, they meaning? Is it really that Zakain means when we say the, t- the when we say the town elders, right? It means yes, it means that they're older, but it's also presumed to be leaders and people like not just random old people, right? So specific. Normally, the word elders has the does have that connotation of both, right? Knowledge and wisdom because of their age, but also specifically people that really you know not everybody that's in that that's older just specifically people that have that sense of you know particular like uh, you know authority or knowledge so that's what sort of we're doing by combining the two but you're right part of the idea of being older is people have life experience life wisdom and that demands respect so that is we're going to get to okay the Gemara is going to particularly draw that out by Isi ben Yehuda. Okay, but I think that that's a nice point to bring out now, right? Because if your basic fundamental lens is, you know, oh, it's all about, just all about how much Torah you know, right? So then, you know, that sounds a little bit like how the Gemara is reading Rebiosi Aglila, really bracketing Tosvos, right? But what, you know, combining the two, like the Tanakhama, is sort of saying a combination of that life experience and wisdom combined with the Torah authority, right? And that is what you're getting from the Tanakhama. The question then is, what about just the, the, the life experience without the Torah knowledge. Um, so that we'll get to. So now the Gemara says like this. So Tanakama, my time, what's the reason of the Tanakama that drives the position that you have to be both? 
said that Vakain is totally independent of Seva. So for the Seva, you should rise and show respect. And rise and show respect to the elder. Meaning, if it really was two fundamentally different categories. So, since it didn't say that, and it used sort of the same verbs to refer to both of them, fundamentally it's one category, older and a sage. Okay. So you have these three possibilities, right? Older and a sage, older or a sage, or, and, you know, which is, um, and then, you know, um, or just older, although it doesn't seem that anybody says just older. Older, but at least Tosos has a middle position, which is, you know, not older plus a little bit of a sage, you know, a somewhat middle position Tosos is working with. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this: Maybe the Hidur is something like lavishing the person with gifts. The same way rising up doesn't cost you money, so it's a Hidur that doesn't cost you money. So the Gemara says, um, uh, who told you that rising up doesn't cost money? Milo Askinan, are we not talking about a case? To Kanaki Maganisa, there you are, you're making holes in pearls, you're, you know, you're doing some very, uh, uh, um, uh, um, uh, you know, um, some type of a job that, uh, that you get a very large salary for, a very large hourly salary for, and the Haki Vahaki, and the Kaimi Kamei, so that you have to go and stop what you're doing and get and, st- and, and stand up, you know, and maybe, you know, you're very much in a, you know, in a particular zone and it takes you a lot of time to reorient yourself and whatever it would be um, and then you uh, there's going to be an actual cost you're going to lose you know 20 minutes of your salary which might be a lot of money so who says that the kima does not come with a expense to it and a cost to it so the Gemara says Ella here's how we know it we start by linking kima to honor the same way honor does not have something that costs you to stop your work. So, so the rising would be a rising that does not interrupt with your work. Now again, I don't know how we know that acts of honor don't make you have to stop the work that you're doing, but at least it's not a particular physical activity. Somebody's walking by, you could verbally say something to them to show them respect that might not cause you to stop your work, but anyway, somehow the Gemara takes that as its point of departure. Hidur, maybe it might cost you money if it means lavishing gifts, but it doesn't mean stopping to do the work that you're in the middle of. So Kima doesn't mean stopping to do the work in the middle. So actually the halacha is going to emerge. But if you're in the middle of working, you don't have to stop working to rise up for somebody. Okay? And maybe you understand that. It's not considered to be a disrespect. It's clear to everyone the reason you're not getting up is because you've got, you know, you know, you're, uh, you know, you're in the middle of sawing a piece of wood or whatever. You know, if you got, you know, you're underneath the sink, you know, removing the, uh, you know, fixing the plumbing. That's, n- nobody thinks it's disrespectful that you didn't get out of your fixing of the plumbing to stand up from this person, right? So it's, it's not just that it shouldn't be come at a cost to you, it's also that in that context, the lack of standing is not an act of disrespect. So that's the first thing we conclude, that you don't have to stand if it's going to cause you to stop your work, okay? And then the, ne- and then the next step is is, oh, so therefore standing never costs you any money, so heater never costs you any money. Okay, so the Gemara says like this, my heater shame babito, akima shame babito, the same way heater you don't stop your work, kima you don't stop your work, the akishami heater lekame, and then, um, lekima, and then we would go in the reverse order. 
Now that you don't have to stand in order to stop your work, so standing doesn't cost you money. So the way you honor is without is not a need that's showing money, so it does not mean lavishing gifts. Just other may be verbal forms of honoring. Um, it is not a way. It is not something about like uh, you know spending money and giving gifts. Okay, mikan amru, and based on this, I said people that are craftsmen are not allowed I'll get back to the word to stand in front of Torah sages when they're involved in their work now the closest ask, what do you mean they're not allowed it should say they're not required to it doesn't mean they're not allowed so those are the two explanations either we're talking about they're working for other people and therefore they're not allowed because they're stealing labor from their boss but if so that's a very different point than the point we were making before so those are the other explanation is that sometimes Rishayim does not mean allowed sometimes Rishayim means required and he says the better read is that this just means they're not required to stand okay so when they are involved in their work alright yes yes now I would imagine that because of that if my interpretation is correct then it's even if that standing wouldn't cost them any money fundamentally it's not about they're not required that their standing come at some personal expense what it really is is that if you're Osik Bimlach Khan it's not a context in which standing is expected right I mean well, you don't agree well, certainly because let's say you're working for somebody else so there are things that you're supposed to do even on the boss's time right you come out of the trees and we say right right so, you know, maybe this is something that uh, this could be defined as something that you have to do, even though it's something else. Right. So that's what I, said, I wasn't saying that. I wasn't saying that the, the concern here isn't, well, first of all, it's not only limited to the case of boss. I mean, those are the two readings of Tosos. But I was saying, like, even if, you know, even if it's not going to be an expense to the boss, even if it's not going to be an expense to you, you're doing your own work, okay? I don't know. You're in the middle of hammering away at some... You're building some cabinet, okay? And if you stop now and show on or whatever, then you can, you know, it's not like you're going to lose a total amount because, you know, you'll just make up the time later, right? So we're not talking about there's going to be any real loss of money, but nevertheless, is that a context in which that there's an expectation in the middle of ba- banging away at the building the cabinet that, you know, oh, you're just Respecting me, you didn't stop your work to stand because I walked into the room, right? That's sort of the way I read it. That in the end, the Gemara learns from it the question about about chisar and kiss. But I think the logic for it is not is one more about whether it's a context in which standing should be like as expected. Um, okay. Anyway. Um, I mean, there's a test case for it. Let's say you have a case of Chisar and Kis, which is not Osik bin Lachtan, and let's say you have a case in which, uh, you know, I don't know, let's say here, here's an example, okay, um, you're, uh, you're talking to me about, uh, about, I'm sitting next to you and we're schmoozing and about, like, you're, you're telling me that there might be a great opportunity to invest in some stock in the stock market or whatever, right, and I'm about to get that information from you, and a Zuckin walks in, I have to stand up, right? So he says, oh, I have to stand up because I'm going to lose my opportunity to find out the stock tip, right? So I don't know, would, I, would you say I don't have to stand up? Is it about Chisar and Kis? Right? Or is it about Osek Bim Lachtan? I tend to feel it's more Osek Bim Lachtan here. Okay? Anyway, I don't know. So the Gemara says like this. Um, uh, where are we? Okay. Um, fine. Um, uh, below, is that really the Jude not have to? Vatinah, don't we teach in a Mishnah? When the people who bring Bikurim come into Yerushalayim, all the craftspeople stand up when they walk into the, when they, when they 
they come by and they ask about their well-being. So only my and they say to them, our brethren from such and such a place. You came all the way from Eureka or from France or wherever you came from. Come in peace. It's so wonderful to have you here in Yerushalayim bringing your Bikurim. So you see that you have to interrupt your craft in order to do that type of a greeting. So presumably also when a elderly person, wa- when a uh, zakain walks in, right, a sage walks in. So I'm Correct. You stand up before the people who bring Bikurim, and you don't stand up before the Torah sage when you're Osek Bimachtan. So what's the difference? So the Gemara says, I'm Reb Yazibar Ravin, I'm a Chaviva Mitzvah Mishata. Look, this shows you how great is a Mitzvah done, you know, in its right time. Here are people that are doing Mitzvah in a very special time. You know, this is the right time to be doing it. It doesn't come at every opportunity. It's a special opportunity. And you show particular respect to this performance of a Mitzvah more respect than you show to a Torah sage. So the Gemara says, wait, there's a different reason why that case would be special. So Dil Mashani Hatsa, maybe that case is special, not because it's Mitzvah Bishata, but the Inkeinat Machshilun Lasid Lavo. Because if you don't show them, you know, welcoming and warmth and, you know, and respect when they come, they're going to say, I can't believe it. I slipped all the way from, you know, Yericho to Yerushalayim to bring my Bikram. And everybody was so rude to me. I walked through town. Nobody stopped to say hello. It was clear I'd been traveling for a week. Right? So next time, who's going to want to slept to Yerushalayim to bring your Bikurim. Okay, so it's a very practical reason. And anyway, but with one way or the other, it's a special case. Okay, so you don't have to interrupt your malacha. Amar Mar. Now let's go back and look what we said before. There you are in the bathhouse or sitting on the toilet and a zakin walks in maybe you have to interrupt what you're doing and stand up. So the Gemara says, Velo, are you telling me you don't have to? So Rabbi Chia Havi Yossi Bein Maschusa Rabbi Chia was sitting in the bathhouse. The Chalif Vazir Rabbi Shimon Bar Rabbi then Rabbi Shimon the son of Rabbi so that was the case also he was a Nasi right or was the son of a Nasi. Velo Kami Kamei he didn't stand up in the presence of Rabbi Shimon when he was in the bathhouse. Thinking that Rabbi Shimon was upset, uh, the Asa Amalei Lavu, and he went to tell his father, Rabbi, and he said to him, I can't believe this. I taught him two-fifths or two of the chumashim of Sefetilim. I'll get back to that in a minute. So lo, Amalei Lavu, didn't stand in my presence, which, by the way, is very interesting, which is what type of a sage demands standing in the presence, right? Because until now, we've been talking about a basically a Torah sage, somebody who's objectively a Torah sage. Now, we're talking about somebody who has taught you Torah. I taught him. I'm his Rebbe. And also, you know, this gets to that like Mishnah and Pirkei Avos, right? Which is somebody who even teaches something, hey, you're on a few Mishnah Achas. You know, even if somebody just, you know, teaches you just one idea, you know, they're your Rebbe and you call them Rebbe, Alufi, Umiyudai, you show them all these forms of respect. So it's like, okay, he taught him what? Like two-fifths of Tehillim? What did he do? He taught him when he was a kid how to read Sukkim? You know, did he teach him Midrashim? I mean, what level? It's not like we're not talking about great Torah scholarship. It doesn't seem like, right? And nevertheless, I taught him something. He needs to stand before me. So it's very interesting here that it focuses in on the Rebbe Talmud relationship. And even again, that just teaching a small amount, it seems like, or nothing that, you know, that necessarily super high level is enough to demand this respect. So I can't, so that's very important. So anyway, but back to our point about the bathhouse, he says, I can't believe he didn't stand before me. Okay? Um, but two, in another case, Bar Kaparav, Amile Rebbe Shmur Bar Rebbe Yossi, Bar Kaparav, Sabsay Rebbe Shmur Bar Yossi, Havi Yossi Bein Meschusa, they were sitting in the bathhouse, Alvaz Rebbe Shimon Bar Rebbe, the same Rebbe Shimon Bar Rebbe, was passing by, the Lokami Kamein, he didn't stand in the presence of him, the Ikvid, he got upset, Vas Amile Lavu, he said to his father, Shnei Shlishe Shlish Shaniti Lopetos Kanim, I told him two thirds 
of a third of the Sifra of Torah's Kahanim. Okay, two ninths, I guess. But anyway, apparently Torah's Kahanim was divided into thirds. And I done two thirds of one section of Torah's Kahanim, which is at least a Tanaitic material. Okay, the and he didn't rise up in front of me. Okay, the Amar Lowe, so his father said to him, Shema Ben Yoshevu You know what? Maybe the reason they didn't stand before you is that they were, they were chazering what they had just learned from you. So it was like they were so distracted by the Torah that was going through their head they didn't realize you were passing by but of course he said it in a, in a, in a way like it's like that's because of your Torah that you taught them that's why they were so distracted and they were thinking about it that they didn't they realized you were there and they didn't stand up before you okay so anyway so Gemara says Rebbe's defense of them was only that they were maybe too uh, you know um, um, they, they, they were, their, their thoughts were too involved in the Torah that they were thinking about Halavachi if he it would not have been for that. No, he would not. They would have acted incorrectly. But oh, it's a bathhouse. You don't have to show respect in the bathhouse. So the man says no. Rokasha. How gavai? How The question is: Are we talking about the outer house of the bathhouse or the inner section? Like the inner part is where everybody is naked. Where everybody is naked, everybody is fundamentally equal. And in that context, there's no idea of showing respect. Okay, it's like it's not a social context in which respect, that type of respect for status, you know, is not. Ne- I mean, basic human respect is necessary, but the respect for status is inappropriate. Okay? So that's in the inner bathhouse. In the outer part, where people are sitting like half-clothed or whatever it might be, that's where it is appropriate still to show respect. Okay? And that's where this was taking place. And the Gemara says, you know what? That actually makes sense that they were in the outer room. So how else were they thinking in Torah? What was Rebbe's response? Oh, they were thinking in Torah. How would they be thinking in the Torah? They were in the inner room and they were naked. So clearly, the whole event took place in the outer room and that's why he was expecting some respect so the says no you know what maybe they were in the inner room and they still maybe sometimes your head is so involved in you know what you've been learning and thinking about that you can't stop yourself thinking in Torah even when you're in the bathroom and you can't stop yourself you know even when you're you know even when you go into the inner room of the bathhouse so the fact that Rebbe said maybe they were thinking about Torah doesn't prove that they were in the outer room they could have been in the inner room and Rebbe could have said they can't help their thoughts they're so involved in the Torah that they've been learning. Okay, but anyway, what's fascinating about this is, A, besides reiterating the point about the bathhouse as a place you don't show respect, not you show disrespect, but you don't have the need of respect for these social status, is the idea that we now have the Rebbe idea, the Zakin idea, specifically in a Rav-Talmud relationship, and again, even around something that's not the most intense or form of Talmud Torah, you know, not something like your Rabo Mufak. It's sort of like your Rebbe who malamdo davarecha type of a model. By the way, an interesting parenthetical point, about what's two chumashim in Sefer Tehillim. Look at this Tosvos, Shnei Chumashim. Tosvos says, Pirish Pukuntras Lashon Chomesh, a fifth ha Sefer. So it means two fifths of Sefer Tehillim. Fiyajna Farshim, Chamisha Chumashim Yeshpo. Now, the same way the Torah has five books which we call Chumashim. There are five books of Sefer Tehillim. Five Chumashim. Okay? What do you know? Kemobu Shel Torah. Ashrei Ha'ish. It starts by Tehillim Perak Aleph. This is book number one. Ka'ayil Tarog Alafike Mayim. Perak Memtet is book, Membet is book, begins book number two. Achtov Yisrael Perak Ayin Gimel is book number three. Tzvila Moshed Tzadi is book number four. Yomru Goali is, 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 is book number five. Now, how does Tosus know to divide it in that, those ways? So Tosus says, listen to this. At the end of each one of those sections, there's the word Amen. 
right, at the end, the levad min achro sof tilim, not at the very end of the last one, because at the end of tilim, you don't need a word to break it up. But actually, there are, I don't know, I didn't do a barilan search, I don't know if there are only four amains in Sefer Tilim, but it is, why, of, why one tilim ends with amain and nothing else does? So it says the amain isn't the end of that parak, it's the end of a whole section. And to actually see tilim is broken up into five sections. Very interesting. Yeah, Related probably to why we right, as a way of sort of showing a conclusion, yeah. So, somebody can now do a body line search and see how, if there's more than just those four mains and say for Tilim. Okay, so now the Gemara continues. Maybe you should uh, close your eyes and you're allowed to close your eyes and pretend you don't see the, you know, your Rebbe and you don't have to stand. So the Gemara says what? Are we talking about wicked people? Like your Rebbe enters the room you have a Chiv to stand. So what? So, so maybe you're just going to pretend you're not obligated. So well, why do I need a Pusik to tell me that you can't try to fool people and get out of an obligation that you have. So the Gemara says, no. Um, maybe what you should do is close your eyes before the time of obligation comes. Meaning, you see, you know your Rebbe's going to be coming into this room any minute. You hear him in the, ha- in the hallway, outside the base medrash. So what you do is you situate yourself in the base medrash in a place where you're not can't, don't have a line of sight. So when he walks into the room, you won't be seeing him and you won't have a chiz to them. So technically, you're not obligated. Because you actually technically did not see him enter the room. Okay? So in that case, you know, no, you have to fear God. So you have to, you cannot sort of, you know, manipulate it. It's so, and obviously, because, you know, if, since you know he's entering the room, I mean, it actually raises an interesting question, which is, did you really get out of the obligation? Is really, like, I don't know, if a blind person knows that their Rebbe has entered, you know, without seeing it, he's presumably he's still high of the awareness, right, is presumably enough without the seeing, right? So, I, so is it that you maybe, you know, but, so is the problem here that you didn't really get out of the obligation? No, technically you did get out of the obligation, but you're, you're not allowed to manipulate it so that you get out of the obligation. Uh, out of that uh, earlier story with it's when the person hears his mother's footsteps coming. Oh, right. He says, the Shekhinah's coming and he's preparing and here it's like avoiding. That's a nice contrast. Right. Okay. Um, okay. So you would manipulate it so that when the time of obligation comes, you don't see him. The coming coming that you should have to rise up. Rise up and fear God. What is a type of... I'm sorry. That's the end of the previous one. Takumbiyareta teaches you that you have to fear God in your standing. You can't manipulate the situation. Okay. What's a rising that shows honor? Rising up within for Amot. Right then, somebody's right there and you show them and like you're connecting to them in your rising. Right? It's not just, you know... What? Like within four mode of them? Or of you? You're going up. No, no, no. Within four mode of you. So if they're at the opposite end of the room, presumably there's two things that's accomplished when they're closer to you. If they're at the opposite end of the room, it's not as obvious that you're rising because of them. And when you're, so A, when they're in your zone, it's clear it's because of them. And also, when you rise in their presence, it's a way of giving them directly that respect, right? You're showing it, you know, directly to them. Um, so therefore, it's within the Arba Amot. Um, 
Okay, so Amar Lo Amin Sheino Mufhak. This is only by the master who's not your like prime teacher. Your 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 uh, I would say expert, but expert isn't the right word. Anyway, your you know you know your primary teacher. Mufhak, the one is who is your primary teacher, Mare Enav, as long as he's within eyesight. Now this I find this fascinating because it, you know we just got saying that the true heater comes when they're in your space that actually. It's not as much of an act of respect when they're far away. So, why, but on the other hand, it's like, you know, there's the opposite argument, which is if my Rebbe is anywhere nearby, if I can even see my Rebbe, how can I remain seated as I'm seeing my Rebbe? So the act of rising, in a way, you know, is not as much, doesn't show as much direct respect because it's not clear, as clearly connected. But it's like, I can't not be standing if, you know, if he's anywhere within my eyesight. So, it's interesting, you sort of lose the power of the act of rising for the need to be standing when he is, you know, you know the, but the act itself is not that, so it's, it's this interesting thing, so we're going to see that part of it is also that you don't get to sit down until he leaves completely from your eyes, so you remain standing, so you know, the act itself might not be the immediate, the same degree of showing of respect, but the remaining standing until he's out of your eyesight is also part of it, yes. The dynamic between the honor you're according him and the that you're cultivating within yourself. Ah, that's interesting. So, like, what, what, uh, so, so, and, and, and why more that me than the case of your Rebbe rather than in, you mean, you mean just because, like, what would it mean that I've received so you much from him? Right, right, right. Right, right, right. But, but if I've, I've received so much for him, what would it mean for me? Right, that's an interesting way of framing it. What would it mean for me in this context not to be able, not to be responding? Not to, know, I know he's around, and for me not to be responding, that's a very nice way, yes. And then right I don't know if there's an aspect of, like, recognize your Rebbe from farther away also, right? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and like they might not know that you're standing for them because they don't know you and they don't know that you know them and like oh. more sense that they're right Somebody could feel the rising is for them more once that connection exists. Right. So Whereas right. you know who you are and know like why you're standing right, for right. them. Oh, that's an interesting thought. That's an interesting thought. It's like you see a friend that you know from across the block, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yay! Yeah, because you don't wave, it's like, what, he doesn't recognize me or whatever? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's an interesting thought, too. Okay, those are really interesting, good thoughts. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Um, okay. Uh, okay. Um, okay. When Abai would see the ear of the donkey of Reb Yosef came into his field of vision, so he so much recognized and he recognized his donkey's ear, so he would stand up. Okay, that's how careful he was about his Rebbe. Abai Now Abai himself was, was riding a donkey, the Kamaski Aguda Dinahar, and he was walk, walking on the, like, the riverbank. Sagan, he was walking and he was like riding along on the river. Excuse me. Another rabbis were on the other side of the river. And they didn't stand up when they saw Abayi on his side of the river. 
he wasn't in their Arba Amot, but he was in their eyesight. Amr Lehu, Zalav Rabbo Mufakana, I don't understand. I'm not your, I'm not your primary teacher. How did you not stand? Amr they said to him, Lava Daitin. Ugh, you're right. We weren't paying attention. Okay, which actually does point out an interesting thing, because if somebody isn't immediately, immediately in your zone, you doesn't, you're not necessarily aware when they're, you know, even if they're in your, technically you're in my eyesight, but it could be, I could be, it could be like I some degree see that who you are, but I'm not registering it because, you know, my focus is in, is, is right now about this picnic we're having, so I'm not like <laughs> fully registering what's going on on the other side, right? But anyway, so that's part of the challenge here. Maybe part of the message also is that, you know, you ha- it has to be a daitin. Like if you see a Rebbe even far away, that's part of the kavod, is that you, is that you, you know, it makes an impression on you, even if you're at a distance and doing something else. Okay, so now the question is like this. Rabbi Shimon Lezer Omer, Nayan Lezakein, Shalom Yatriach. Tamad Loma Zakein Biyarei, to the end of this break, how do you know not to put a weight on other people so you have to do your own to, to, to not you know to minimize people's resp- obligation which is not the same as being mochel on the kavod but avoiding circumstances as we'll see Amar Abai again Abai has a lot to say about this sugya Naktina we take the position the makif chaye that if you go around so you don't have to go into a place where a lot of people are and force them to stand for you you take a you know you, uh, you take a detour to avoid that you'll live a long life you know that's a very good thing so again, it's interesting. Abaye, and now we're going to have a story about Abaye himself. Like the same Abaye who was upset that his students didn't stand at the opposite side of the river, it's not like Abaye was going around demanding and being mocked on his kavod. Because here's the next story. Abai Makif, Abai would go around places where he knew that there were people that would rise up before him. He didn't want to, you know, put himself in situations where people had to stand for him. Okay, so Rabbi Zera Makif, Rabbi Zera would go around. Ravina, the Yosti Tamid Rabbi Yirmiyamidifti. Ravina was sitting in front of Yirmiyamidifti. Chalifa who gavra kamei for lo mixi So since we talk about passing by somebody, so here's another story which is not exactly related. But anyway, a certain person was passing by and he didn't have his head covered. Once again, with the head covering, right? We've had that before. Amar, gavra. How much chutzpah does this person have that he's walking in the presence of rabbis and he's not covering his head? So, Amar, maybe he's from this place of that they are very sort of uncomfortable terms with their rabbis and therefore they, don't, they haven't learned to cover their head in the presence of their rabbis. So, this is very interesting Amar. Like, what's the Amar exactly getting at? Right? So one wonders if, like, you know, why is the story relevant? Um, so, um, I mean, you could say it's a combination that Hedor is not just rising up, right? That's what we've been focusing. Kima is rising up. Hedor is other ways of showing respect. So maybe under certain societal norms, a way of showing respect is you have your head covered in the presence of a rabbi. And here it's saying, you know, in a society, they don't do that. But I think that the other point is exactly this tension where, that I've been talking about about being mochel on your kavod, which the was conflicted about and not putting people in unnecessary circumstances to show you kavod. So this society, the rabbis basically were mochel on their kavod. It's okay, you can have your head uncovered in my presence. And that's not such a good thing, right? Because then you maybe don't learn to show the respect that's due to rabbis. And then you go to another society and it's, it's, it's seen as an affront, right? Another type of a community. So there's, I think, like a little, uh, to me, I hear like a little criticism. You know, you, you know maybe you hear something else. Maybe you go, oh, it's okay. You know, the rabbis in that community are all right with it. I don't know. I hear a little criticism. I hear a difference between
mean being mochel on your kavod? And like, no. When Abaye was walking and there were students and they weren't showing him his kavod, he was makbid. You guys have to show me the kavod. But that doesn't mean I go around asking for it. I actually try to avoid it. But when we're in those circumstances, I'm not mochel. You need to show respect. That's part of kavod HaTorah. So I think it's that interesting balance between being mochel and letting somebody get away with not showing respect as opposed to not trying to, you know, trying to avoid situations which makes people have to show the respect. Yes? Um, How would the family members uh, so we're going to get to that like a father and a son or whatever okay let's try to just turn the page I know it's already 8.30 but I just we, I, we, I need to be not, not more than one armor behind okay, okay. so it goes like this any elderly person older person right not only a sage we rule like that so that's important included in respect is respect for old age so the Gemara says Rabbi Yochanan Havikai Mikme Sabe Darmai. Rabbi Yochanan would get up in front of elder, older non-Jews, like the Arameans, meaning not only a, not only a Jew, any old person. Amar Kamahar Pataki Adu Alayu Dahani Rab Dahani. How many like life events, life circumstances have passed over this person? Right. So the very fact of the wisdom and experience and travails that a person has 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 has, has endured, you know, through their life, that is itself, the, the, that age and that life experience demands respect. Very powerful statement. Rava Mikim Lokai. Now, interestingly, the Rava would not rise up. Maybe he felt that that would, that would compromise his, you know, Torah honor. You know, that it, it is true, there is a reality of life experience, but that doesn't mean that a Torah sage rises up to somebody who, that's all they have, is just that life experience. So he himself wouldn't rise up. Mikim Lokai, Hidur Avilu. He would do some form of respect. According to Rashi, that would be so lifting himself a little bit off the chair. Okay, Abaye, Abaye would have give his hand to an older person, you know. He'd have an older person lean on him, he'd help the older person cross the street. He would show this respect and give his own personal service, this big Torah sage. Rava, now again, Rava did not go that far. He was trying to balance it with Torah honor, apparently. And Meshadar Shluche, he'd have his servant help out the old person, but he wouldn't do it himself. Right? So it's an interesting balance that we're trying to strike. Rav Nachman Meshadar Guzai Rav Nachman would also send some of his attendants Amar Ilav Torah if it were not for my Torah Kama Nachman Bar Abba there's a lot of Nachmans that are out there so what I'm just like any other Nachman everybody has to show respect to an older person but I also represent Torah so I can't compromise the Torah that I represent because at the end of the day that is something that demands more respect than just old age so it's very fascinating on the one hand we're saying old age on itself does demand and respect in terms of wisdom and life experiences but that's not at the same level of Torah so does that mean that nevertheless you should be mochel on your Torah kavod going back to that issue and show respect to you know and do it yourself or do you find some type of a balance which is what Rav is finding Amar Ab Ivo now we'll just turn the page Amar Ab Yanai Ain that you do not you're not allowed to or just as you don't have to stand up for your Rebbe more than twice a day because you only pray to God right you know to, well I mean pray to God three times a day but presumably he's talking about Kvod Shemayim is presumably uh, Kriyat Shema okay so therefore you know you don't have to do more than you I mean Rashi says um, 
Again, I don't know what that means because there's also mincha, unless we're talking about kriyat shema. Okay, but to some degree, you know, you did this, maybe it just means you daven, you know, if you daven mincha and marv at the same time. So you have davening in the morning and the davening at the end of the day. Okay, so anyway, so you don't have to show more respect to your Rebbe more than you do to God. Now the question is, does that mean just because if your Rebbe's around the whole time, like if you're in the same yeshiva with your Rebbe, like it's like if there's a lightning storm, how many times are you going to make the bracha on lightning, right? So that might be the context, as opposed to if somebody is drops by at five times in the day, but you're not around them the whole time, maybe you have to stand each time, but maybe it means if there's a constant presence, like with you and God, right, then it's only morning and the evening, and that frames the whole day as a way of showing respect, and not every time they enter the room. Okay, so we'll pick up with that discussion tomorrow. What about old 